God, we thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for that we receive forgiveness because Jesus, you died for us and rose again. Thank you that you are Lord over all. And when life's going great, God, we praise you. We say thank you. And Lord, when life is tough, we praise you and we say thank you. Lord, that you're with us. Lord, that you walk with us, that you never leave us. God, we thank you. We are not turning back. We set our eyes on you, Lord. And this morning, we resolve to do that again, God, to lift our eyes above everything to you. We say thank you, God. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your beauty. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision and your presence that's with us. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you say hi to someone beside you just as you grab a seat? If there's someone you don't know, introduce yourself. Welcome to Activate this morning. Welcome to church. It's good to have you here. Hey, if you're a visitor, if it's your first or second time, then uh, we've got one of these uh, visitor info packs for you, and they're just out the door. So just as you leave the service at the end, uh, just head to your right, and there'll be a little pile of these that you can grab. It's just got some good stuff in there and some chocolate. So uh, make sure make sure you grab one of those um, just, just out the doors. Now, have there been any birthdays or anniversaries this week? Anyone who's had a celebrating a birthday or a wedding anniversary? You get chocolate? Oh yeah. Come on, Mark. Come on down. Anybody else? Oh, is this a wedding anniversary, is it? Oh, how many years? 28. Woo! That's awesome. Are these guys the only ones or any other birthdays, wedding anniversaries? No? Okay. Well, you're it this morning. We get to pray a blessing just over you guys. Okay, church, let's stand and let's pray this prayer of blessing. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Pastors Sharon and Jan are in uh, Papakura this morning. So they're preaching the church up there in the Activate Church. And now a couple of, the, the only highlight we've got this morning is what's next weekend? Easter, okay. So we have a, a Good Friday service. What time? <laughs> Come on, Owen. <laughs> the answer's on screen for you. It's a really easy test, yeah, 9.30. Now, you probably, you would have heard Sheridan speaking about the Good Friday service. Apparently, it's going to be a real emotional connection point with God, one that will, he's, he's boasting, will remember in 20 years' time. So I don't know what it looks like, but I'm really looking forward to being there. And it's a, it's a two-part deal. You want to come to the Good Friday service and also Sunday. So um, the, the one word of warning is that if you have had uh, a, a, the loss of someone close to you in um, recent times and that wound is, a, is still, still raw, then the Good Friday service is going to be um, 
pretty touching and really moving. So there's just that word of warning. Um, but I'm encouraging everyone to be there. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We've rearranged our Easter weekend plans to make sure we're there on the Friday and the Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be good. Now, Brenda is going to come and read to us the psalm this morning. Good morning. Psalm 43. Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. You are my God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Saviour and my God. Just ponder on God's word for a moment. Can I have the host team handing out communion, please? Good morning. Morning. Um, this morning, my conversation may not hold any new revelations. It may not cause a light bulb moment, and it could have been shared before, but it may just be a gentle prompting and a challenge about how are you living your life? Today we exist in a 24-7 society. The pace of life is fast, demanding, and constant. Overscheduling and double booking, which once was frowned upon and embarrassing, now has been normalized and labeled multitasking, a skill to master. Never before have I heard of the term time poverty, which now is recognized as a psychological and social stress. This glorification of busyness and the exhausting pace of life, which often comes from the disease to please, are not only impacting our health physically and mentally, but also spiritually. The book that I've been reading recently by Christian author, uh, Lisa Tychrist, captured the lifestyle that I and many others are leading. Those that live with the stress of an overwhelmed schedule will often ache with the sadness of an underwhelmed soul. The decisions you make determine the schedule you keep, and the schedule you keep determines the life you live. 
and how you live your life determines how you spend your soul. Many times in my chaos, the Holy Spirit would prompt me with the verse, Be still and know that I am God, Psalm 46, verse 10. But many times I would say, Just wait until I finish doing. Until God said very clearly, Sarah, you need to stop doing and just start being. Being present in my presence. Come to me, all whom are burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 8. This year, God has placed in my heart to study peace. Peace, in a broader definition, means freedom from disturbance. My heart verse at the moment is John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And this is my prayer for you that this communion time where we reflect on the greatest gift that's been given to us, Jesus Christ, may you rest in his presence and may Christ's peace meet you in your circumstances and may your soul be overwhelmed with God's love. Thank you, Sarah. So let's pause. In the midst of our busyness, we're already here at church, which is great. Let's just close our eyes and pause. And thank God for the sacrifice Jesus made. Thank Him for the forgiveness we have. Just in your own time, in your own mind. Take the bread and take the juice.
Father, we thank you for your presence. The Lord is amongst us, within us. Father, it's an absolute honor to Lord, come into your house to praise you, to worship you, Lord. Can I encourage you, church, right now, with every eye closed? And let's raise our hands to heaven. Raise our hands as a sign of thanksgiving, as the psalmist says. Let all that is within me praise your name. Let all that is within me give thanks and praise and adoration and worship to God. I want to encourage us. Let's begin to lift our voices and express our thanks and our praise and our worship to God. Lord, you're mighty. There is no one who can compare with you. Lord, you're awesome and great. There is no end to your love. There is no end to your grace and your mercy. Lord, your compassion, your compassion is new every morning. Lord, we exalt you. We praise you. Lord, we welcome you. May your light shine upon us. May your light, Lord, illuminate every part of us to reflect the glory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're an awesome God, Lord. You're mighty and worthy of all praise, worthy of all honor, worthy of all exaltation. Jesus, we praise you. Lord, we exalt you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five and take a seat this morning. That's very good. Well, you know, Pastor Sheridan is away with Pastor Jan and and, uh, <coughs> and Papakura. They'll be having a wonderful time this morning. And uh, also we enjoyed having uh, Pastor David Quinn here last week. And you'll recall, they, I, I've just got to set the record state. They made a few comments about my fishing skills. Now, here's the thing. Because they're not here, I can't give them a ribbing. So I actually have to be quite nice about what I say. But I do you want to give some factual context to what was said? Is that okay? You wouldn't want me to do anything different, I'm sure. So here's the truth of the matter. We caught six snapper, two each. It wasn't a huge catch, but there we go. And then we saw some birds diving into the water. We thought, right, there's kawai there. So we're going to go for the kawai. So we went to the kawai. We went through the kawai. And this is the truth of the matter. I began to catch about four times as many fish as what David did. That's the truth. And I had a silver spinner. David had a white one. And uh, as we, because if you know anything about kawai, they're very soft lit fish. So we were winding them in. And I would get into the side of the boat. And here I was struggling with the net. And then the fish and the hook would get caught in the net. And it was really awkward because I was just catching more than what they were. And I thought, I'm going to have to ditch the net. So what was happening is winding these fish, and because they're so soft lift, you bring up the hook like this, and the fish just falls off. So I said, guys, we've got to find a solution to this, because I was just losing too many fish. So David would open the bin, and Sheridan would get the line and pop the fish into the bin. We'd shake it off, it's, it would, the hook would come flying off, and away we'd go again. 
So, and they changed to a silver spinner, spinner, and guess what? They couldn't catch any more anyway. So, but it was great fishing with them. If they were here, I would tell it with a lot more embellishment than what I have just done, but I thought I'll just give you the truth, the facts. So there we are. So, because uh, I said that I would. <laughs> so, great. Wow. You doing good? Very good. That's very cool. Well, do you know... I was reading, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 16 this morning. We've been looking through the book of Philippians. And as we were reading the scripture, Linda's going to put it on the screen shortly, but not quite yet. But before she puts it up, as I was reading the scriptures and meditating on it, it reminded me of something that happened to me when I was about 10 or 12 years of age, somewhere around about there. And um, my dad said to me on a Saturday morning, I want you to come with me to the bush. We're going to go and collect leaves. And I said, Dad, what are you on about? I don't want to go to the bush. I don't want to collect leaves. And guess what? My friends might be there and they'll make fun of me. So I don't want to go and collect leaves. He said, we're going to go to the bush and we're going to collect leaves. This was probably around May, I guess. And my dad said, it's for the garden. We're going to have great compost in our garden. So off we went to the bush. The bush was by the Minnewatu River. And here we were with a big trailer and Dad's big um, car, and he, he was an engineer, and with all these sacks, they weren't bags, they were sacks back then, and I was raking up leaves, putting these leaves into these sacks that then we would carry to the trailer, into the car, and the trailer was absolutely chocker, and the boot was absolutely chocker with leaves, and uh, this compost, this rich compost, and at the end of that, my dad was absolutely happy, and I was absolutely miserable. I was thinking, what are my friends you know, going to ask me? What did you do on the weekend? And being an honest lad that it was, I'd say, well, I spent all day picking up leaves, and I could just imagine the taunts that I'd get for that. But it wasn't to end there. We got home, and we had quite a large garden, and um, there we had to unload the leaves and dig trenches and put the leaves in as my dad just worked all these leaves and compost into the soil. And we had so many leaves that on the side of the garden where the fence was, we would pile a layer of leaves and put some soil over it, then put another layer of so uh, um, leaves and put soil on that, and so on. It went forth, and uh, my dad said, well, that's for next year. It wasn't. There was more leaves to be collected next year, but that's another story. And so at the end of this day of collecting leaves and him working leaves into the soil to prepare a garden, he was extremely happy and I was even more miserable. And, um, but as we look at the scripture, this, you'll see why this thought came to mind. So if you can put it on the screen, thank you, Linda, and uh, we'll read it. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the key verse we're going to be looking at today. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you, Linda. It is God who works in, and this is where I had the thought about these leaves being worked in. It's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, okay, I was only 12 years of age. <laughs> I didn't do too well on that one. So, you do, um, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. 
as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Isn't that a great portion of Scripture? Very, very good. So here's um, Paul, and he, he kicks it off and says, if we go to the first, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore uh, in, in Scripture, it's a very good question to ask, why is it there? And uh, typically it's connecting two uh, thoughts together. If I said to you, uh, the car spluttered to a stop and the petrol gauge was empty, therefore fill up with gas and away we go. It connects two thoughts together. This therefore, is there's two therefores, and this is the second one, and they're very, very significant therefores. And so I thought, we, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, and you'll see why um, there are two therefores connecting two really important bits of thought together. So in uh, second, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, up, he, instead he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he, in, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is verse 9. This is the first of two therefores. God is so, so just absolutely enraptured by what his son has done, dying on the cross. God goes, therefore, because of what you've done, Jesus, because of your obedience, because of your death on the cross, because you manifested me on the earth, I'm going to lift you up and give you a name above every other name, that at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's God's response to what Jesus has done in Philippians 5 to 8. And then the Paul brings it out and goes, that's how God responds to it. Therefore, this is how I want you to respond to it. Therefore, continue to obey, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When you hear the words fear and trembling, it can sort of just go, well, what's this all about? Well, first of all, <clears throat> what does the word working out have to do? It's very particular, work out your salvation. You can work out uh, at the gym, and that's a really good thing to do. Go to the gym and work out. You can start a new job, and you can work out how things work around the office or in the factory. You can work out how to laugh at the boss's jokes or whatever it might be. You can be a parent with a new child, and you can just work out how on earth am I going to get some sleep. You can be the All Blacks and work out in the gym to get fit. You can work out the strategies of playing the game. You work out how to develop mental toughness. Paul is saying, and we can say this by inference, all those working out things are good, but there's one thing for the believer that they need to work out. Above all of those things, and they're really good, you need to work out your salvation. You need to work it out. It's like going to the gym. It's like being in the rugby team doing all the work so you can work it out that it will bring great glory to God. We just can't go sort of lapsadaisical, slip-slop through life and just go, well, I just hope it works out all right. God is saying, I need you active. I need you on task. Work this out. 
And guess what? It's just not me or you working it out. God says, I'm partnering with you in the working of this out. So what does the word salvation mean? It's a good, good question to ask. It comes from the Greek word soteria, and it means deliverance, salvation, hope. In the New Testament, the term salvation is especially used to refer to the great deliverance we have from sin, the penalty of sin. Romans 6, uh, uh, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. As the book of Hebrews says in, in Hebrews 2, 3, so greater salvation. Isn't it good to know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life when life is over, we have been saved from the penalty of our sin that would separate us from God, and we stand righteous before a holy God accepted in His presence. Isn't that good? Man, I'm so pleased I'm saved. I hope you are this morning. It is so good to say, I am saved. And working out your salvation means you can confidently say, I am saved. When I first became a Christian, I wasn't too sure. I didn't have too much assurance if I was saved or not. But as I've grown and developed, work this out. Yes, I am saved because the Word of God says I'm saved. There's a good illustration about salvation, and I'm sure some of you may have even saw, seen the movie Schindler's List in 1993. It's the story of a wealthy businessman, Oscar um, Schindler, who was a member actually of the Nazi party, and he became increasingly troubled by the way that Jews um, were treated. And so he opened up a factory where Jews, uh, mums and dads, young and old and children could come in and would uh, make uh, ammunition. And he would protect them there. And even there they were still vulnerable. So he built another factory in Czechoslovakia where he could gather more Jewish people and more Jewish children to protect them. And at the end of the war, it cost him all his money. He had nothing. He had lost everything. But he had saved 1,100 Jewish mums and dads and their children. He was their, their soteria, their saviour. And uh, at the time that the film was released in 1993, there were over 6,000 de uh, descendants from those 1,100 people. Isn't that amazing? Yesterday, Wendy and I and our boys, we took a trip down to Wellington on Friday. Uh, Wendy booked some chip, uh, cheap tickets months ago, and we went to the War Memorial uh, in Wellington. Fantastic. Uh, facility, if you haven't seen it, it was prepared by uh, Peter Jackson and the Weta team. And there was a story of um, a soldier in the First World War. He had a, a prayer uh, book in his uh, chest here. He was shot, and right, uh, right in the middle of this book, this book saved him, this prayer book saved him, it was quite thick, is this bullet that was a Turkish bullet. And where you open the prayer book, it reads right where the point where the bullet hit. hit. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Isn't that awesome? So salvation, work out your salvation. Now what Paul is not saying, and this is really, really, really important. If you go away, if, if there's nothing else that you understand today, you must understand this. God is not saying work for your salvation. He's saying work out it. There is a huge difference. You cannot work for your salvation. Your good works will get you no closer to, the, to heaven than somebody who doesn't do good works. In Isaiah 64 verse 6 it says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. 
The good news is we're saved by God's grace. Isn't that awesome? The extravagant goodness of God. It's not that we're good enough, it's that God is good. And because of His goodness, He saves us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you, can take, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And also in Acts 15 11, we believe that we're all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So we don't work for our salvation. Some of you, in fact, probably many of you haven't heard this story because I haven't shared it for some time. Um, but it's the story of Mrs. Sinclair. Who's heard me share that before? Would you like to hear it again? Okay, okay. It's a really good story because it really taught me something about the grace of God. Once again, I was 10 or 11 or 12, uh, somewhere around there. My friend, um, Stephen, Stephen Persons, actually, Tony, you know him well. He's one of Tony's colleagues. We went to our neighbor's place. Uh, I was, we were at number 15. We went to number 17. And uh, her name was Mrs. Sinclair. She was an elderly lady. I don't know why we did this, but we just did. We got some stones and old newspapers and dirt and whatever we could find. And we stuffed her letterbox. We were the mailman that day. Don't look at me that way. I was only a kid. <laughs> I don't know why we did it. We're just trying. It was his idea. <laughs> I don't know whose idea it was. It was both our ideas, I guess. So we stuffed this letterbox full with all sorts of rubbish. And I knew at the end of that that I'd done something really, really wrong. And I was too scared to take it out. And I ran home and then I thought, oh no, my parents are going to find out. There'll be more, even more leaves to pick up. So, no, there'll be worse than leaves to pick up. And so a couple of hours later, my friend Stephen came to me and said, Mrs. Sinclair wants to see you. And I thought, oh no, I'm in real trouble now. So I remember walking up the driveway to her place and my heart was just about jumping out of my chest. And it was going like 160 beats a minute. It was boom, 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 boom. And I very quietly knocked on her back door and she opened, and here's this lady with blue rinse hair, whiskers out of her chin, and just so many wrinkles. You know, for a 12-year-old, how could somebody be that old? And, uh, of course, it looks very different now, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, anyway, she said to me, come in, son. I walked through her kitchen. I walked to her table. There was a nice lace cloth, two glasses of lemonade, and a plate of milk arrowroot biscuits. And she said, help yourself to a drink. Have some biscuits. Of course I did. <laughs> I was terrified of her at this time. <laughs> and she chatted away. And all she said to me is, do you know letterboxes are only for letters? I said, yes, yes. <laughs> of course they are, Mrs. Sinclair. That's all that they're for. <laughs> so I quickly put down the lemonade and ate a biscuit or two. And then off I went. And I've never forgotten it. And I think God actually taught me something about grace. I didn't deserve that. I, 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 God has got a, such a wonderful sense of humor. Her name is Mrs. Sinclair. She cleared my sin. She cleared it. Isn't God amazing? She cleared my sin. And from that day on, I mowed the lawns and made them look fantastic. 
Well, about 30 years later, probably 30 years later, I was down in Palmerston North and I thought, I'm going to drive past my old house and I'm going to check out those letterboxes in New Haven Place where we used to live. This is without a word of a lie. The best letterbox in New Haven Place, and there was about 40 or 50 houses, was number 17 where Mrs. Sinclair used to live. And I thought, oh, dearie me. God, you're amazing. You're amazing. So we're saved by grace. We don't work it out. Thirdly, it's not like I do so much towards my salvation, like I play my part and God plays his part and we put both these parts together and then we say I'm saved. No, it's totally 100% God's part. We're absolutely, utterly independent on the grace and goodness of God for a salvation. And the good news is that he wants everybody saved and he's not willing that any should perish. So isn't that good to know? But when it comes to the word work, it's good to understand what that word means. From God's perspective, the word work has three meanings. So the word work, we would be familiar, you know, picking up leaves, going back to that story, or doing manual work or office work or whatever it is, this using our hands type of aspect, that's work. But in John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. Believing in the message of the gospel, God sees his work. So we have work with our hands, believing in the good news, believing in the gospel message, putting our faith in God is considered by God's perspective as work. And then thirdly, in John chapter 10, verse 30. To, uh, Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. These are the works that God has preordained, um, committed us to do. Um, so these are the good works. We're appointed for them. And you can read more about that in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. So working out your <clears throat> salvation by fear and trembling doesn't mean you come shaking like a leaf before God that God's going to hit you over the head with a four by two. You're not scared that way. It's rather that I am going to be so diligent to work out my salvation that I don't want to miss the very best that God has for me. Therefore, I'm going to be careful. Therefore, I'm going to take due diligence to do my work, partnering with God that I can work out my salvation. So it's not in fear as being frightened, but it's in respect and it's in due diligence to this great treasure that God has placed within you and with me. So to work out your salvation means people who believe in Christ know they are saved by God's grace to live and learn in Christian community what it is to obey God because God is at work in you to both will and do what pleases Him. I'm working with God to work out what God has worked in. When we work out what God has worked in, there's no place to work from isolation, no place to say that I'm working for God. It's a matter that I'm working with God. So isn't that cool? In, in the book of Philippians, the, 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 the town, the city of Philippi was founded by Philip of Macedon in, in 358 BC. And uh, he set in troops there initially to protect it from uh, looters because there were gold mines there. And so 
Paul is using this time, work out your salvation, because he knows there's gold mines in Philippi. And so the picture is you're in a gold mine and you're chipping away at things, and then you find a seam of gold, a seam of spiritual treasure in the Lord. When you find that seam of gold, work it. Follow the seam. Bed into the treasure that is there, because there's treasure in those mines of working out. Isn't that a good picture? So um, <clears throat> it's very cool. So do you know what? Um, I thought report cards were only when I was at school. Who, who thought that? Well, <clears throat> there's, it's not the case. Jesus does report cards on churches. And you can go to Revelations chapter 2 and 3 and see the report cards that Jesus gives on three Sorry, on seven churches in those two chapters, chapters two and three. So there are seven churches, and every way that Jesus writes this report card, he states something very, very important. And I think it's very significant in terms of working out your salvation. He says, I know your works. I know your works. He says it seven times, I know your works. So here we have Paul say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then Jesus is giving a report card. The way you work it out is really important because I'm giving you a report card how it's going. And so this is what Jesus says from, and I'll just read a few summary points here from Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3. Uh, in chapter 2 verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear with those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and not. And then he goes on, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember from where you have fallen and go back, repent and do your first works. Um, in verse 12, to the angel of the church in Pergamos, I know your works and you hold fast to my name and did not deny the faith. But I have this against you. And he goes on a few things about holding false doctrine. In verse 16, he says, repent or I'll come quickly. In verse 18, to the church, the angel of the church of Fiata, I write this, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Isn't that a great report? Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Uh, in chapter 3, um, to the church of Philadelphia, in verse 7 and verse 8, I know your works. I see that I've set an open door that no one can shut it. You have little strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. Verse 14 to the church at Laodicea. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. In verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So I went through those scriptures. Isn't that interesting? I know your works. Jesus is really watching how we work at our salvation. And we can think it's the things that we do with our hands, feeding the poor, and, and they are wonderful things. They absolutely are. Bringing food to the food bank today, and thank you for those that have made uh, contributions to the food bank. That is fantastic. But the word service, the word patience, um, you cannot bear evil, you have not grown weary. You, uh, this whole sense of being faithful, of carrying the faith, over these seven churches, is mentioned 14 times. And so what Jesus is really saying, to work out your salvation, we need to really work out what's happening in our hearts. 
when this is right, when our hearts are right, our thoughts are right, what we do will become right. Our behavior is a reflection of what we believe. Our behaviors are shaped by our environment, our attitudes, and particularly our belief systems. You don't have to look very far below the surface to see what or imagine the belief systems for the people with the conflicts in the Middle East at the moment. And on a lighter note, some people believe Fords are better than Holdens, or Holdens are better than Fords. Okay, we'll go with that way. Holdens are better than Fords, and therefore they'll only buy Holdens. They're good cars. So our belief systems hugely shape what we do and what we say. And Jesus knows that if our hearts are carrying the right beliefs, chances are we will do the right things. And so can I say that that's why it's so important when you go through the letters in the church of Revelation, some of the churches there are carrying wrong theology. They're believing wrong things. And Jesus says you need to change this and you need to change that. Getting good theology is really, really important. A vibrant living theology. And I don't mean necessarily going and studying theology at a university, but having theology that's founded on the Word of God, knowing that God is good, and God is always good, no matter what happens to me, is good theology. That's very, very important. And so, and Jesus does mention that a number of times through those letters to the churches. It's interesting, when the works are not right, this is what Jesus says in every case, in these seven churches, one simple but very strong word, repent. Change your way of thinking, change your view, change your perspective, get your thinking in line with the thinking of Christ. Isn't that good? So <clears throat> this is what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Philippi. Let's go up to verse uh, 15. Thanks, Linda. Uh, one more verse, sorry, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> there's a challenge. That's good theology. It's really good, good theology to do everything without arguing or grumbling, even when it's to do with leaves. So can I encourage you, as we are people who work out good theology, guard our mouths, watch what we say. Don't be negative about church. Don't be negative about other churches. Good theology means you develop the theology or the vocabulary of Jesus himself. Jesus doesn't criticize. He doesn't condemn. He doesn't complain. He doesn't find fault. But he speaks the truth. Now, I'm not saying for a moment that issues don't need to be addressed or issues don't need to be brought up. That's important. But that's very different than having an attitude that grumbles and complains. If we go to the next verse, thank you. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Paul is making echoes now to the children of Israel as they... Uh, we're in the wilderness, and it's a direct quote from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 4 and 5. 
And they were described as um, warped in a crooked generation. And Paul is confident that the Philippines won't be that because they have Christ in them and they're working out their salvation, that they're guarding what they're saying. So Paul is saying, I'm confident you won't go there. But look, there's an example of what happens if this is not kept in line with what the Scriptures say. So that's really good. Let's go to the next verse. And hold firmly to the word of life. Isn't this good theology? Holding firmly to what the Scriptures say. Anchoring our life on what Jesus says. Then you'll shine among them like stars in the sky. That's a, a, a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 46. Holding firmly to the word of God. Here's the thing. Hebrews 4.12, 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Psalm 119.11, for I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. So when God brings things to our minds, our, our things for us to work out, how do you respond to it? Those report cards that those churches had, I trust that they responded with repentance. But when God confronts us with something, when maybe your wife or your husband or somebody you love confronts you with something, how do you respond? Do you try and stamp it out, silence it out, stress out, or shut it out? Or rather, do you take on the words of Jesus Repent, let's sound it out, let's talk it out, let's work it out. And I think there's some really good things for us to work out. We had Pastor <coughs> Steve McCracken here, <coughs> really encouraged us to build a house of prayer. How does that look? How does that work out? It's great questions to discuss in uh, activate groups and with one another. Wouldn't it be great to come to an, a momentum prayer gathering and see more people there than what there are gathered on Sunday mornings. Wouldn't that be amazing? We can make that happen. We can work it out. You can. And so I want to really encourage us to begin to take hold of these things and as we work out what God is calling us to do for his plans and purposes. You know, it's... Uh, I'm going to wrap it up very, very shortly. I'll, probably the most significant things to work out with working out your salvation, it comes down to these two things. Working out who God is and then working out who you are. When it all comes down to it, working out who God is because God is good and working out who you are, you're created in the image of God to reflect His light to all of those around you. In other words, to, make, to know God and to make Him known is what working out your salvation is all about. And God has given us some great tools to do that. And I'll, I'll conclude with this. About two years ago, um, for a period of two or three months, I suppose, I felt really insignificant. Now, I'm a reasonably confident person, and people would go, well, how would you feel that way, Ray? Well, it's true. That's how I felt. I felt really insignificant. I can't say why that just came upon me. I just felt it. And... I remember going, Lord, what's this all about? Why do I feel this way? And I felt the Lord say to me, 
It's not you, Ray. Deal with it. And it just came to mind that this wasn't me. This was the forces of darkness trying to oppress something on me as though it was my own feeling. When it wasn't mine at all. And I absorbed it as mine thinking it was mine. And God was saying, don't agree with it. Don't partner with it. Deal with it. Work it out. This is the truth. You're not insignificant. This is the truth. I have made you significant in me. So this is what I did. I said, Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this insignificance. And I declare I am significant in you. Well, instantly it left me. And I've never felt that way since. And so God gives us tools to work out who He is in us. And He's mighty and He's powerful. That we might work out who we are, the children of God. So this journey, the rewards of it are amazing. Going back to when I was doing these leaves with my dad in probably May or June of that particular year, it came round to December, it was near Christmas time, and my mum loved cooking. And this particular evening, she cooked a beautiful roast chicken meal, roast vegetables. It was beautiful. We sat down at the table. I couldn't wait to eat it. My dad said, Grace. And uh, halfway through the meal, he said to my mum, whose name was Aileen, he said, Aileen, look at all these vegetables, every single one of them. Potatoes, carrots, parsnip, beetroot, peas, beans. They're all out of the garden. And what my dad had worked in six months earlier had worked out in these luscious vegetables. When we allow God to work into us, what, what works out is the luscious fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, patience, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The beautiful fruit of the Spirit. And God writes His report card and says, Well done good and faithful servant come into my presence and enjoy the feast of my presence forever isn't that awesome and so church I encourage you let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling let's work it out so well let's work it out that when Jesus writes a card he goes activate church in Hamilton man you took that word to heart you have really worked it out you've sowed that stuff in you've worked this with me as I worked it in so it works out the fruit of the Spirit, and we can enjoy that in the presence of God forever. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence, and Lord, that your word has come into us. Thank you, Lord, that you desire to work out, work in us for your purposes that we might work out our salvation with fear and trem uh, trembling. I thank you that we don't do that in isolation. I thank you that we can't work for our salvation, but that, Lord, our salvation comes from the grace of God. Lord, we are totally dependent upon you and the saving grace of Jesus. And if you are here this morning, and if you don't know what it is to be in relationship with Jesus, if you feel separated from God because of your sin, and you're going, hey, Ray, I need to get right with God. I want to say, Lord, I'm sorry for all those, those things that I know I'm in separation for you. But I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in his death and resurrection. And I want to come into fellowship with you. If that's you this morning, can you give me a wave?
wait a couple of moments. Yeah. That's cool. If you're here this morning going, Lord, I want to work it out with you. I might have worked it out in the gym. I might have worked it out at work. I might have worked it out in my sports team. But now I want to work it out with you. I want to work out my salvation. That, Lord, you'll be glorified through it all. If that's you, can you raise your hand? You're not raising it to me. You're raising it to Jesus. And you're saying, Lord, I want to work it out for you. Father, as we stand here this morning, Father, I pray that, Lord, the grace that enabled us to receive your salvation as a free gift. Lord, may your grace work within us that we would work out who you've called us to be, that we might work out more of who you are, a good God, a loving God, that would know it not only in our, in our heads, but in our hearts, that, Lord, we would make you known. We would know you and make you known in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Ray. Let's give Ray a hand. That's a good challenge. Awesome. Salvation is a free gift, but then God doesn't expect us to stay the same. He wants us to work at changing. Hey, um, just, just as we wrap up, the take-home question for parents uh, when, uh, for this week, the discussion question around the table is, uh, how do we worship in everyday life? So take that one home. How do we worship in everyday life? Have a discussion uh, this week. Uh, visitors, remember to grab a bag just as you head out the door. And one little thing I forgot to say earlier, next Sunday is a combined morning service. So we've just got one morning service at 10 a.m. next Sunday morning. Hey, as you leave, remember, let's be purposed in our giving. There's giving stations either side, and um, it's coming to the end of the financial tax year, just this weekend and next weekend to go. So if you do want, if, you've, if you plan to give some money, you think, yeah, let's get it in. Get it in before the end of the financial year, and then you get the tax rebate sooner, of course. Um, thank you for coming to church this morning. Make sure you say hi to people. And of course, we've got the Crossover Cafe now. Enjoy your week. <laughs>